0: Well hello friends, welcome back to the Proverbs 31 Ministries Podcast, where we share biblical truth for any girl in any season. I'm your host, Meredith Brock, and I am here with a very special co-host today and a very dear friend of mine, the lovely Lisa Allen. Hi,
1: Meredith! It's so good to be with you and in this new kind of co-host with you for a little bit. I know, right? I'm loving that. And I love, I'm so excited to be on this side of the microphone and just the variety of guests and topics and everything.
0: It's fun, right? It really is fun. Um, Y'all might remember Lisa Allen from her teaching um, earlier that we did in the fall of 2018, Mm -hmm. all about clarifying your calling. And this lady right here is a walking example of what it looks Mm like to truly operate out of your calling to build teams and lead people. And for those of you who don't know her... Lisa Allen is the executive director of ministry and staff development here at Proverbs 31 and she's also one of my very very best friends my office uh, mate we share an office together we do we uh, have a lot of fun together we really do and we share some pretty pretty fun text message Oh, especially in, at night in, in in the evening when we're both very tired yes <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, and you're just such a dear friend of mine and it's just it's so fun to be able to lead the teams that I get to lead at, at Proverbs you know it sounds like I lead a lot. I just lead a lot of really cool people on First Five, on my Bible study. Mm -hmm. She speaks, speaker team. So thanks for letting me play around here a little bit.
0: Well, thanks for hanging out with me. You know, Kaylee's out doing something fun.
1: She's always doing something fun.
0: I know. So, I mean, you got some big shoes to fill, but I'm nervous a little bit. You can. So anyway, it's really cool that we have Lisa on the show since she oversees our First Five mobile app team and all the logistics and all the stuff that goes into that because... We're actually going to be talking about one of our past studies. Lisa, why don't you go ahead and welcome our teacher for today?
1: I am honored to. I am honored to welcome Katie McCown, and Katie and I literally just what was it 48 hours ago we're sitting on the floor of an airport in Colorado eating a hamburger watching a video of her daughter in a dance recital um, that she was unable to attend because she was fulfilling her calling and I just love her to death Katie's a wife and a mom of six children what? I know and one of our first five, five writers and joining us on the podcast so welcome Katie
2: Hi, it's so great to be here. I am currently sitting here with none of those six children, so it's quiet. <laughs> that's so that's nice. a great thing. <laughs> it's got to be refreshing. You will hopefully be able to hear everything I say, at least for a short amount of time.
1: <laughs> oh, I love that. And one of the things that I think I love the most about you, Katie, I'm going to quote something you said. I don't know if you remember saying this, but I heard somebody ask you a question once and say, how did you become a Bible teacher? And you said that you had to think about it and you realized you actually started teaching the Bible when she did two-minute teachings to um, little kids sitting on the floor, um, who were three babies under the age of five. And that just warmed wow. my heart because that's that. such a basic way to really dig into the Bible. You can teach the Bible mm. if you can teach it to kids under five.
2: That's the truth. That is the yeah, truth. Yeah, that, that was when we had just three, we had three kids. You know what? We had four. And and the, the fourth one was so little, we would already have her in bed. Aww. And so then when we, uh, Luke and I, my husband, we would go up there and sit on the floor with our three boys who had oh, the boy. attention span of, of nothing, but we would open the Bible, and we would just give them as much as they could take before they started Mm -hmm. bouncing off the walls again right Mm -hmm. before bedtime, and and it's true. I had no idea. I had no idea in those days that God would even call me to be a Bible Mm -hmm. teacher, that He was even laying the, the groundwork for that. But I trace it back to then and what sweet days, even though we would walk away some nights thinking we accomplished nothing, mm-hmm. but we kept doing it yeah. because we thought if we put the word in there, God can use it. I love so that. Good. I love
0: it so much. Um, planting seeds in their little hearts, but also in your heart as a, as a Bible teacher. Mm-hmm. Today, Katie is going to give a teaching from one of our past studies in our First Five mobile app called Opposition and Opportunity. Now- what in the world is the First 5 mobile app, you ask? Well, First 5 is a totally free mobile app that Proverbs 31 developed that will help you spend the first five minutes of your day in God's Word. We are studying through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, in five-minute increments. Now, we it, obviously, there is no book in the entire Bible called Opposition and Opportunity. It's, there's no book called that. Um, but it's actually a study of the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. But what we wanted to give you was a vision for what you might learn That's in good. those two books during that study. So, really, really cool stuff.
1: And let's be honest, if it were titled, uh, titled Ezra and Nehemiah, you probably wouldn't be much interested in that. But aren't you kind of more intrigued with
0: Absolutely. Opposition and
1: Opportunity?
0: Absolutely. Yes. I love it. I'm really, really excited to hear from Katie today. But before we let Katie dive into her teaching, I want to preface by letting y'all know one more thing, and that is this type of teaching Katie is about to give is available in the app every single weekend yes. during the weekdays like i said earlier we focus on one chapter at a time with a short written teaching but on the weekends we dive deeper into god's word where we learn a little bit more about maybe some of the things that we learn during the week mm. um it's typically an audio teaching so um if you're scooting around with the kids in the car doing all the things that mm-hmm. you do um it really is a great way um to dig a little bit deeper into god's word
1: um, i literally just did it this weekend in a hotel room
0: Uh, I love that.
1: Fixing my hair. I had uh, my phone right there. Listen to the audio teaching. I loved it.
0: I love it. I love it. So the moral of the story is, if you don't have the app, what should they do?
1: You should download the app. Go Go to the app store because it's free.
0: That's totally free.
1: As is is that that great teaching.
0: I know. Good stuff right there, folks. Well, all right. Clearly, that's enough from From me and and Lisa Allen. Um, Katie, I can't wait to hear your teaching. Let's dig in to Ezra and Nehemiah.
2: Yes, and you know these aren't the longest books in the Bible. And they could be if you're flipping pretty quickly, you might miss them every time you flip through the Bible. Mm-hmm. But I do love like you you mentioned, I love the title opposition and opportunity because while we might not like to think of it this way, just about every opportunity will include opposition. Mm-hmm. And so what happens if we are only looking for opportunities? And we're not expecting opposition with them, we're going to lose our endurance. We're going to run out because we're going to become frustrated. Or or worse, we may even think we've maybe misheard God or we've taken a wrong step, and so we'll stop when we're faced with opposition. And so I love that this study combines these two words because This is exactly what we're going to see in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, pretty much a thread pulled all the way through. They're really exciting books for God's people, for the nation of Israel. They are standing on the doorstep of so much opportunity, so much expectancy about what God is doing among His people and in their land during the course of these two books. But what we will find and I'm going to focus today specifically on Nehemiah, there is this thread of opposition that pulls through with the opportunity. So I want to look today in the book of Nehemiah, and and we're going to start in Nehemiah chapter 2. And and we're going to look at a literal enemy that Nehemiah faces. And we first hear about the enemy in in Nehemiah chapter 2 in a couple of places. And so we're just going to look at some, some things that we notice about this enemy. And then we'll talk a, a little bit about how it applies to us once we, once we look at his enemy. So let's first talk about who, or excuse me, let's talk about what the enemy was against. If we look in Nehemiah chapter two, verse 10, this is where we first meet the enemy. And I heard Lisa Turkhurst one time and she was reading a story and there was from the Bible and there was a bad guy in it. And she said that every time she heard that name, she would kind of hear that organ play. And so in my head, every time dun, we dun, say these da. names, I hear that. Play it in your head every time I say it. They, like it just, that's what it does here. So Nehemiah 2.10 is our first dun, 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 moment. And here's what we read. But when Sanbaat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly. That someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. So, what is the enemy against in this verse? The enemy is against the person who has come to seek the welfare mm. of the people of Israel. In Nehemiah 4, verse 7, we're still, con- the work is continuing, the work has begun. And here we have this enemy again. And it says in verse 7 that the enemy heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, and they were very angry. So what we're seeing here is that we see the enemy on the front end of Nehemiah leading the people to carry out the work that God had called them to carry out. We see the enemy at the beginning, but the enemy doesn't stop at the beginning. The enemy continues with the progress of the work. So it's not a one-time situation where we meet an enemy, we resist an enemy, we keep moving. No, Nehemiah met the enemy at the beginning, but Nehemiah also met the enemy as the work progressed. Okay, so now let's look at some tactics of the enemy. In Nehemiah chapter 2 again, we read in verse 19, here's these same characters again, dun, dun, dun. but when Sandalot the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshen, the Arab, heard of it. Did you notice that the enemy had increased? When they heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Okay, so let's break this down just a little bit. We read these words, they jeered at us and despised us. And I don't know, because we're not there hearing it, or maybe because we, th- we th- think, well, it's just words. We might miss the severity of what this is describing. Um, The Hebrew word that's translated jeered at us can be defined as to speak barbarously. Okay. Well, that's not really a word that we use in our everyday language. So let's define barbarously. If you look that word up in the dictionary, one of the definitions is savagely cruel. Mm -hmm. So, We can say that the words that were coming out of the enemy's mouth to Nehemiah and God's people were savagely cruel. So they jeered at them and despised them. And then we read this question at the end of the enemy response that says, are you rebelling against the king? Well, go back and read the beginning of Nehemiah chapter 2, and you will clearly see that they are not rebelling against the king. Nehemiah had firsthand permission from the king to come do this work. But what is the enemy doing? Hmm. Trying to create doubt. The enemy wants Nehemiah and God's people to be afraid because, listen, to rebel against the king was a very serious accusation. It could cost you your life if word got back to the king that you were rebelling against him. So they have falsely accused them. They are jeering at them and despising them with the aim to create doubt in what they are carrying out for God's assignments. And we see them again in Nehemiah chapter four, the same word, the same word jeered is used in Nehemiah four, one through three. It says that the enemy jeered at the Jews in verse one. And then it also goes on to say that they called the Jews feeble and they also questioned their ability to complete the work well. Okay, so now they have not only tried to create doubt by false accusations, but now they're creating doubt by calling them feeble. They're trying to create doubt in their own ability to accomplish the work. Look at you. You're feeble. How could you possibly do this? That's my paraphrase of it. Mm. We should also mention in Nehemiah 4, eight that it specifically says that the enemy plotted together to cause confusion Hmm. in the work. So now we have very clear enemy tactics of trying to create doubt and also their desire to create confusion among them. So what happens when their enemy deploys these tactics of creating doubt and causing confusion? And we read in Nehemiah 4 verses 10 through 14 That unfortunately, their desire to create doubt and cause confusion, their threats and accusations had deposited fear into the hearts of God's people. In verse 10, we read that in Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burden is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. So where now? Where now are God's people looking? They're saying, they're looking at themselves and saying, my strength is failing. They're looking around at all that is to be done and saying there's too much rubble. And because of those two things, they're saying we can't do it. So, uh, you know, I liken it to, let's think about if we're driving down the road and we're driving our car down a two lane road and there's a car right next to us. And all of a sudden that car starts moving over into our lane. Where do our eyes naturally go? They naturally move to the car that's coming over on top of us, right? Mm. Okay, but in that moment, when something is threatening our ability to keep on going down the road, should we really be turning our head to look at the threat? (laughs) Or should we really stay fixed on continuing on and getting on past this threat? Mm. And so this is exactly what has happened to God's people. They have encountered opposition and where have their eyes and their hearts and their thoughts gone, but straight to the vastness of the work in front of them and their own ability. That's good. And again, we see, you know, I pointed out from verse two, from verse 10 in chapter two to verse 19 in chapter two, we saw the enemy kind of expand also in chapter four, when it verse seven, Will detail this enemy again and it has expanded again. So no longer in verse seven, no longer are we getting names, we're getting entire countries, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites. So again, it looks like the enemy is growing and the God's people are having a hard time keeping their eyes off of the opposition Mm. and on the opportunity. So I want us to look at how Nehemiah responded. We saw there in chapter four. A very natural kind of fear response from the people who were doing the work from the the nation of Israel. But if we go back to verse 219 on these very first accusations when they're trying to create this doubt and they're trying to begin this confusion, Nehemiah answers this enemy. And I want to read what he says in verse, right following verse 19 in verse 20 then I, this is Nehemiah, then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we, his servants will arise and build that you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Wow, man, I just love that. <laughs> it makes me fired up yeah. to read his response. And so really what I want us to be able to do today is I want us have a framework for a response just like Nehemiah. So let's look at three pieces of his response. The first thing Nehemiah did was put God in his rightful place. The first words out of his mouth to that enemy, the God of heaven will make us prosper. In chapter four, when the Israelites are back there going, our strength is failing. There's too much rubble. Nehemiah looked at them and said, remember the Lord who is great and awesome The first step was to put God in his rightful place. The second step, the second thing that Nehemiah did was establish their identity. And you know what he didn't do? He didn't tout their own ability. He didn't talk about how great of a job he knew they would do. The only thing he said is we, his servants. Hmm. Okay. So we've got God in his rightful place. The God of heaven will make us prosper. And you know what we are? We are just his servants. That's all we are. And that's a great place to be. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing he does is answer with truth about his enemy. You know what you are? You have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. Mm. And it's almost like he just kind of wiped his hands right then. Okay, done. I have established everything that needs to be established here. The God of heaven will make us prosper. We are his servants and our enemy has no portion or right or claim in this. And then away they went. And had to go back and remember that had he still had to remind God's people about that, but that is what he chose to answer this enemy with. And so here we, here we get to it where we too are called to participate in God's purposes and build his kingdom. We may not be building walls like Nehemiah. We may not even be leading a nation like Nehemiah, but we are called to participate in God's purposes and build his kingdom. And we too have an enemy and it's like I said, on the front end, we have got to get that straight because if we don't, then every time we start out in the purposes that God has for us, we're going to be surprised by the opposition. So let's get a little familiar with our enemy. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour prowls around like a roaring lion. I have some boys in my house that love to watch National Geographic. (laughs) So I haven't lived on the plains of Africa where there are for real lions, but I've watched them. And when they prowl, you have to look for them. Mm -hmm. They don't just announce themselves like, hey, I'm here to eat you. Mm -hmm. They're in a bush somewhere. They're in the tall grass. Mm -hmm. They are crouched and they are waiting for just the right moment. Mm-hmm. And the animals who choose to be alert, even if they can't see that lion, those are the ones that don't get eaten. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for us, it is in our best interest to acknowledge that we have an enemy yeah. Yeah. and he is against anytime time we take an opportunity to participate in building God's kingdom. We have an enemy that will push back on that. And our enemy uses the same tactics that we saw the enemy in Nehemiah use. He seeks to create doubt and cause Mm -hmm. confusion specifically about who God is and what God says. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Genesis 3, verse 1. The serpent, the enemy Mm -hmm. says, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? He's looking to create doubt and cause confusion jesus when he walked on this earth he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness and two times the devil says to jesus if you are the son of god in matthew 4 verses 3 and 6 he is trying to create doubt in jesus about who he is so look we have these same options before us we can respond in fear The same way we saw the nation respond, we can take our eyes and we can put them on the opposition and be afraid of it. Or we can respond by placing God in his rightful position and answering the enemy with the truth of God's word. So what does that look like for us to put God in his rightful place? I love Hebrews 12 verses one and two that says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Mm-hmm. You know what I love is that Hebrews 12:2 uses the same word for what Jesus did on the cross as the word that nehemiah 2 uses for what the Mm. enemy did jesus despised didn't he Mm. but jesus despised the shame of the cross Mm. and so here we are and jesus despised the shame of the cross and in doing so he also despised our enemy because after jesus despised the shame of the cross it says that he is seated at the right hand of the throne of god and he is seated Because when a king went out to war and won the victory, he came home and sat down on his throne because there was nothing left to do. Jesus Mm -hmm. isn't standing as though there is still a battle to be won because he conquered death and he conquered sin and he conquered Mm -hmm. our enemy for us Mm -hmm. by despising the shame of the cross. Mm -hmm. And then he sat down. When we place God in His rightful place, there is absolutely no opposition that can stop us Mm. because it couldn't stop Jesus. Mm. And we are victors in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's good. And as if there would be anything left to say after that. (laughs) We put God in His rightful place. And when we do that, it establishes an identity for us Mm. that we have been saved by grace It is not of ourselves lest any man should boast. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through 10. We have been saved by grace. This victory doesn't depend on me. Mm -hmm. It depends on the grace that was purchased for me by the blood of Jesus on the cross. So in believing in him and confessing him with my mouth and repenting of my sins and turning to him, I'm saved. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's all I have to do. I am saved by grace. And then it goes on in verse 10 to say, that we are God's workmanship. Again, my ability does not depend on me. I'm God's workmanship. I have been shaped by Him for this. And then finally, in at the end of verse 10, created for good works prepared by God. So I have been shaped by God and what I am doing has been prepared by God. Do mm-hmm. you see how none of this depends on me? Right. So, it goes right. right back to what Nehemiah said. Our identity is that, hey, I'm His servant mm-hmm. and that's all I need to be. Mm-hmm. It's not a to me." That's so good. And then finally, answer with truth. And the truth is, 1 John 4, 4 says, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He is Jesus. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. In Romans eleven thirty six, 36, it says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. Hmm. None of this depends on me. All of it depends on him and it has been done. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished and it is. So when we encounter our opposition, we do not have to shrink back in fear. We can answer our enemy with the same way Nehemiah did. We can put God in his rightful place, establish our identity as God's servants and answer the enemy with the truth that Jesus Christ is a victor and in Christ, I am too. Ah. Uh.
0: Wow! So good. Good stuff. My word! What um, clear steps mm. for how to deal with opposition. But what I love even more, because I think we could all we could sit here right now and be like, "Okay, are you facing opposition?" And yeah. you could probably run down a list of oppositions that you're currently facing. Yes. Or I could. Any one of us could. Yes. But one of the things that I really love about your teaching here, Katie, is that you made it very clear what opposition is and some of the tactics. Mm. That sometimes I think are a little bit sneakier Mm. to identify Mm -hmm. that eventually kind of compound on top of themselves and create a major opposition in your life. And so I want to recap these because I thought they were so powerful Um, for the Israelites. The way the enemy really came at them Mm. was he created doubt. Mm. So that doubt of in in God, maybe. Yes. Like, is Mm -hmm. God really going to show up? Is he going to do what he Mm -hmm. said he he was going to do?
1: Because there's a lot of rubble around. Yeah, so much around. Yeah, I don't know.
0: I don't don't know. know. I don't know. You Mm -hmm. know. And you start doubting God, and then you kind of you start doubting God Himself. Like, did he? You know. And then you start doubting. Well, maybe I, maybe I didn't hear him right. Yes. Maybe I didn't Mm -hmm. hear him right. Like, I probably heard him wrong. Mm -hmm. He probably actually said to go left, and I went right. right. And and the enemy is just creating that moment of just. Just doubt. Yeah. And so then, like you said, Katie, where does it lead to from there? Confusion. Yes. Because then you're like, wait a minute. Where am I? Sp- I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I don't mm-hmm. know where to go. I, I, you know, and then you start talking to and, lots of people trying yeah. to get all the advice and mm-hmm. all the things. And, and then what do you listening. do? You stop. Yeah. You stop the project. Right. The Absolutely. The very
1: calling that God mm-hmm. had for you.
0: Mm-hmm. And then that last step that I thought, man, this is powerful, is that after you've gone through those moments of doubt and confusion then the enemy sees that perfect open door to deposit yeah. fear. And mm-hmm. you're locked in. You're locked into that place of, I can't finish the job. I so can't do did. this. I can't keep moving forward. Um, and so I think that's just such a clear picture yeah. that I think sometimes I know for myself, mm. I miss because it feels so sneaky and subtle. Yeah. You know, so subtle, those doubts well, that can be kind mm, of honest. Yeah. Like, did I hear God right? Yes. Like, am I hearing God right? So I want to go there for a second. Mm. How do you you know, how do we know? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. sometimes it's a real opposition. It's the enemy. Yeah. Yes. And sometimes it's God saying, No, girl, don't go there. <laughs> <friend."> like <laughs> don't on. do it. Right. Don't do it, girlfriend, don't go there. <laughs> yeah. So like let's get real practical here. So wise. How yeah. do you know what's what's the difference between an opposition, mm. you know, the enemy's coming at you trying to stop mm. the call of God on your life, or simply God saying, Girlfriend, like let's
1: slow your roll. Well, one of the things I think is that has one of these answers, Meredith, is what um, Katie said when she said expect opposition. Mm. So one of the things that I might not be as thrown in the next time that the enemy approaches me, Katie, is you reminded me don't be afraid of this.
2: Mm-hmm. You have,
1: you have tools. So at least that way it will keep me from getting thrown off. If mm-hmm. I know I've heard God and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm responding in obedience mm-hmm. to what he's asked me to do, then I don't have to look at that opposition immediately. I can prepare for it a little Anticipate. bit. Anticipate. Yes. Anticipating. I think about it. Like when I walk to my car at night that's way off in the co- in the corner of the parking lot and it's really dark. Mm-hmm. Don't you, as a woman, walk a little differently? You're, yeah. you're paying more, more alert, attention, sure. right? Definitely. Definitely. And that's yes. what I feel like that you gave us the ability to make sure that we don't let our guard down, um, but don't be surprised by it. Mm-hmm. When that opposition happens, you don't have to stop. Mm-hmm. The other thing I always think is it's two things. It's the importance of God's word,
0: yes. you know, is
1: getting in God's word mm-hmm. and does, where, does this project or this this direction that God is sending you line up with God's word mm-hmm. um, so that's the first thing and the second thing is trusted community mm-hmm. biblical that's community good. where I could come into you Katie I could call you in the morning I could come into our office Meredith and go Meredith help me wo- help me work through this mm-hmm. here's where I am this is what I think God's word is saying to me, but mm-hmm. it's, it's biblical accountability in trusted community.
0: That's good. That's mm-hmm. good. So let's draw a little picture about that mm. really quick because I think let's make it so practical mm. for our listeners. So let's say you feel called, um, I don't know, to, to go into ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been working um, in who knows what. Maybe you've been working at The Gap. Let's say we've been working at the Gap. They have lovely clothing. Um, I'm actually wearing Gap jeans right now. Um, But let's say you've been working at the Gap and you really feel a calling into ministry and you start applying like crazy to different ministry positions. And it's just closed door after closed door after closed door. And then um, you are really wondering, like, did I hear God right? Like, did I really hear God right? Lisa Allen, what would you tell him to do?
1: Um, I would tell them they were in school for their calling
0: Mm. because
1: God, what you, if it's, if you believe, if you have a heart and a passion for ministry, um, it's a matter of obedience at that point. So what I would do is I would put myself in some degree of development, whether Mm -hmm. it's literally going to seminary, whether that's what you would do or whether you would, you know, begin to get a mentor in ministry, go Mm -hmm. serve at a church Mm -hmm. where you could rock babies Mm -hmm. in a nursery or, you know, there's a lot of Nonprofit ministry. So I would begin to put feet on it, um, and, and let God show me how it's going to play That's itself so good. out.
0: That's so good. Now let me give you another scenario. Mm-hmm. I'm putting, I'm totally putting Lisa Allen on the spot here. I'm terrified um, she's, right? it's her, it's her debut yes. as the co-host. So I gotta, I gotta Sweaty. do it. Um, so let's say same scenario mm-hmm. and the doors just aren't opening mm. and You just, you know, you're seriously considering, I got to make this happen. God called me to this. Mm. And so I am just going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to quit my job at the gap and I'm just going to trust God. I'm going to move to this city. I don't have any openings there, but I'm going to move to this city. Mm. How would you make that decision process?
1: Uh, Well, first of all, I wouldn't move. I wouldn't take. I wouldn't take one step further until I'd heard from God. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would say I'm a big believer in stay where you are until God sends you somewhere else to you so very good. clearly so hear. So go on
0: the last word. So go.
1: Yes. And so if God has not, uh, you know, called you from the gap, mm-hmm. you know, that would be my first question is to make sure that I'm not being called from the gap. And then, um, I think it's Nikki Cozyars who uh, has, who says, do the next thing. Yeah. And so we think our next thing is to have a pulpit or to have a, a
0: career in ministry maybe you're just supposed to work at the gap
1: yes and maybe you're supposed to maybe you're supposed to pray for the people that Mm -hmm. you're checking out and put your antennas up for when you can have um spiritual conversations for the people or maybe just develop a love for the people
2: yeah yeah so good good. let me jump in because i love what you just said about that because that's exactly what nehemiah did Mm -hmm. you go back to nehemiah chapter one Mm -hmm. he spent four months praying for wow. the he wasn't there. He wasn't wow. in yes. Israel. He was off in another kingdom. That's he good. wasn't praying. even in
0: Israel, y'all. Everybody, let that sit on you for mm. a minute. Mm.
2: And so wow. he spent four months in another place praying about what was happening in wow. Israel wow. and and broken hearted about what was happening there. Four months praying, and then God opened a door. Yeah. Wow. And he stayed through it, and then the rest of the book happens. <laughs> so, well,
1: and remember, Katie, if if I'm remembering the book of Nehemiah correctly, he had um, the king's permission and authority as well. And so, see, he was under biblical covering. Mm. He was under spiritual covering, um, which is the importance of that community. That community,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. And not trying to make decisions in, uh, in a closet, cl- closed door, For you sure. know, but letting in those people around you For sure. to really determine. Is this opposition? Mm -hmm. Is this opposition? Or is this God saying... You need to stop here, girl. Right. You know, so really, really good stuff. Yeah. Well, what, else, what else stood out to you, Lisa? Well, one of the things you
1: said, um, Katie, that I really loved is in Nehemiah 4, 7, it was the rebuilding of the walls and how the enemy, so we've started the work. The work is halfway done and they're starting to get tired. They're mm. starting to feel overwhelmed. Um, can we just say that applies to everything <laughs> that we face yeah. in our everyday, right? Yeah, that's the truth. But I wrote down to, I wonder who's listening to this right now. Now. And I have some of these that I that for myself. So what is your rebuilding? And so it could be the rebuilding of a family relationship. Wow. That you're just feeling overwhelmed. You're like, I I thought you asked me to forgive this person and pursue this relationship, but oh my goodness, this is this is feeling like a lot of rubble Harder around than I thought. me. Yeah. Or your marriage? I wonder who's mm-hmm. who's fighting for their marriage and mm-hmm. that rebuilding. I mm-hmm. mean, let's face it—if you've been married for more than eighteen months, you're rebuilding some marriage stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just hard, you yeah. know, um, or whatever that relationship is. It just really encouraged me, Katie, um, when you when you talked about that—that that the enemy comes in. Midway through the work. Yep. You know, because if it's comes, not one and done. So if he comes <laughs> in at the beginning, what do you do? You just don't start. You just don't get married.
0: Yeah. yeah. Right? You know <laughs> right.
1: what I mean? Right. But when he comes in in the middle of that project yeah. that you're pursuing, mm-hmm. that really
0: encouraged me a lot. Mm-hmm. And I loved, I wanna I wanna recap those last mm. three, the practical mm. steps. You know, so make sure, one, let's just make sure you're really hearing from God. Yes. Like, is this opposition or is this God saying He's mm-hmm. up this is a closed door mm-hmm. but when you know like no this is opposition yes the first thing Katie said so clear in Nehemiah Put God in his place. Proper place. Put him there. Mm. Second, establish your identity. Mm-hmm. So put you back in your place, girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Let's put mm-hmm. you there. Yes. And then that last step is to look the enemy in the face with Speak confidence. Truth. And and put him in his place. Yes. Speak truth mm-hmm. to him. That what the word of God says mm-hmm. to him. Um such good stuff. My I word, Katie. It. Fantastic teaching. I feel confident. I feel like This word, somebody needed to hear this today. I agree. Somebody was on the brink of making a decision, Mm -hmm. um, and they didn't know which way to turn, and I think that this spoke to them, so I'm excited to hear Mm -hmm. the response from our listeners. Thank you so much for being here. I bet somebody listening today is like, holy cow, I've never studied Nehemiah before. I want to study Nehemiah. Well, I'm, I'm happy to be able to tell you. You can jump sure. into our First 5 mobile app. The study is there, Opposition and Opportunity, mm-hmm. but they can also, if they want to take it a little bit mm-hmm. deeper, they can get an experience guide. How do they do that, Lisa? Oh,
1: it's, such a, it's so easy. So to purchase the Opposition and Opportunity Experience Guide, all you have to do is visit p31bookstore.com and then click Study. And all of our experience guides are available for purchase there. And to study Opposition and Opportunity on your own, first you have to download the free First 5 app on your mobile device. So that's Mm -hmm. easy. You do that kind of stuff all the time. Free mobile device app. And then when you get your profile set up, you're going to want to set up your profile. That only takes a minute to do that. Then once you do that, you'll find... Plans, there's a button that says plans in the bottom right. So it's super easy. You click that button, it'll take you into an archive of all of our past studies, and you can start opposition and opportunity, um, and you can
0: go at your own pace. It's awesome. You know what? Another super cool feature of our mobile app is what? You can have your own group. Oh, my what? goodness. Come on. So, I like s- me and you, instead yes. of text messaging late at night, we, we can, can, can study the Bible. Bible. <laughs> We can say, Hey Nehemiah, what's happening? <laughs> Love it. So much. So cool, y'all. You'll see it down at the bottom. Mm-hmm. You just gotta click on groups. You can sign up there. Really amazing feature That's for good. you to consider for maybe just your girlfriends or maybe as a family. You want to study Nehemiah together, yes. and you can do that together. Maybe your daughter's away at college. college. I was just going to so say that. So cool! A your really, sisters in yeah.
1: California, or your aunt Bessie is in, you know, Minnesota or something.
0: Such a neat way to stay connected around the Word mm-hmm. of God, um, and not just talk about, like, I don't know, The Bachelor.
1: Uh, yeah, Via that's true. Messaging. That's I mean, true. that's fun too, but, yeah. you know, Neil Let's start with that. Let's, let's end with The Bachelor, but let's start with God's Word, okay? Uh, yeah, I okay?
0: think that's <laughs> a better plan. I think
1: that's a better plan. And last but not least, we want to remind you guys about the audio teachings that we mentioned at the top of this podcast. Oh my goodness, Meredith, I cannot say enough good things about the content that the first five writers teach on the weekends, like what Katie just delivered to us. If you mm-hmm. like that, if you crave deeper, straight up Bible teaching to help you understand more about God's Word... These audio teachings are an incredible resource. They're available for free in our First Five apps, So make sure you have it downloaded and please join us every weekend
0: in the app. Well, guys, I think our time here has come to a close. Mm. I'm sad. I'm sad to say goodbye, Katie, Lisa Allen. Y'all know why I call Lisa Allen Lisa Allen. I just need to clarify this because I'm <laughs> sure you're all... No. Yes, I have too many Lisa Allens in my life. There was yes. a period of time where I had a Lisa A, a Lisa B, a Lisa C, C. and a Lisa T. And yeah. so I naturally started calling her and Lisa I Allen. And I think you still have three of those four I that do. are still in I your life. I basically do. So. Yeah, so it's just natural to call her Lisa Allen. So I invite you to call Lisa Please Allen Lisa so. Allen as well. Thank you for joining <laughs> us today, Lisa Thanks Allen. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. It and Katie, was so fun. It was Katie, great. thank you so much. This was really tremendous. We pray that this podcast helps each one of you know the truth of God's Word so you can live that truth out because we know that when you do, it will change everything in your life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Bye, friends.